coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. So when we went to Portland back in 2016, I did a little reading on Maine. I'm trying to remember that what the seasons are. There's like, there's mud season, <laughs> tourist there's, season. There's winter in July, in July 4th and 3rd. You get that. The wife, who was the front of the house, wanted to uh, leave town, basically get divorced and move. And she ultimately did. So next, you know, I'm running a brewery. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, the short story. That was... So it's been fun. It's been a great, great uh, experience. I'm, I'm more excited about it today than I've ever been. That's and, awesome. and you started in Kennebunkport? Yep. Is that what it's yeah, called? It's Ken- federal, uh, I call it Kennebunkport Harbor. Technically, right. it's in Kennebunk. Kennebunk, and they, okay. they call that area Kennebunk Taint Town. Taint Kennebunk, Taint Kennebunk Port. <laughs> we were the first brewery in the world to actually brew in an airport. Oh, wow, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, we that had a 20... Cool. Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is Fred Forsley from Sea Dog Brew Pub in Treasure Island and the newly opened Sea Dog Cantina in Gulfport. Fred is also the owner of Shipyard Brewing, Maine's largest craft beer brewer. He has residences in both Maine and downtown St. Pete. Before the interview, Kevin and I will discuss how we go about creating our top 10 lists. We We have have a great great show, so stick stick around. We are excited to announce the launch of the first annual St. Petersburg Foodies Restaurant Awards. So nominations are open now. Just go to stpetefoodiesawards.com and nominate your favorite restaurants. It's a little chilly out there lately. Well, that's the perfect time for soup. But not just any soup. Ramen is the ultimate chilly day comfort food, and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth, and the hearty proteins, or just mushrooms for vegetarians, will have you saying, ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O-M-G. Go get warmed up and filled up during these mildly chilly weeks at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete. Do ya, Booyah? Have you been to Pacific Counter? It is one of the newest fast casual concepts located on one of the fastest growing blocks in St. Pete, the 600 block of Central Avenue. 
They offer build-your-own bowls, burritos, or salads with a variety of the freshest bases, toppings, and sauces to satisfy anyone's craving and put you in charge. There are actually 6,432,189 combinations possible. Overwhelmed by build-your-own? I know that I sometimes am. Well, you can also choose from their counter creations menu already picked for you. The first couple of times we ate there, that's exactly what I did. Then I decided to get adventurous. For bases, they offer sushi rice, brown rice, noodles, or greens. Sushi rice seems to be the norm, but I'm not a big rice person, so I finally tried the noodles, and to say I fell in love is an understatement. They are actually sweet potato noodles, I found out later, and I have no idea how they make them seem like rice noodles. I added fresh tuna and salmon, my choice of toppings and a sauce, which I didn't even need because the bowl was so good without it. I told Kevin I could eat this every day and I would probably lose weight and love it at the same time. If you haven't checked out Pacific Counter, I would highly recommend it. They are open for lunch and dinner, have a variety of unique alcoholic and non-alcoholic drink options, and they have the beloved Dole Whip. Find your fresh at Pacific Counter. Pacific Counter is located at 660 Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete. They are open 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Sunday through Thursday and 11 a.m. to midnight on Friday and Saturday. In the early days of the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast, we used to have an opening segment that was a conversational segment, as they call it, where Laurie and I talk about a certain topic. And we're going to give that a whirl again. We kind of did it last week, but we did it after the interview with uh, Marlon and Jed. Now you got Kevlo. Yep, just and, us. And we wanted, we've been publishing a lot of top 10 lists and wanted to give you guys a little bit of background on how those things happen and it, how they don't happen. Right. In the, in the early days of publishing the top 10 lists, we would poll in our Facebook group and get a lot of uh, people telling us this place, that place, this place, that place. And I would say the majority, at least 75% of those lists, and I'm talking early days like 2016, 2017, we would go by the recommendations from these people in the group. And so we didn't go to three, four, maybe, maybe. Yeah, we'd go to some and then some would get on the list because of other people's recommendations and reviews. Right, exactly. So now that we're in our updating stage and we're also in our nothing, nothing gets on a best of list unless we have eaten that food, period. Right. And that's something I want to stress that extremely important to us. When you look at our current top 10 list, we went to every single place and we ate the food. And more, not just every single place. Right. And more because they don't all make it. The last couple of top 10 lists, best Mexican and best Italian, for those top 10 lists, I think for each one of them, we went to like 14 or 15 places. 15 for Mexican, actually. I think it was 13 or 14 for... Yeah. Yeah, I think it was 13 for Italian. So, yeah, it's a lot of wasted calories and wasted dollars, but that's what we have to do. And also, unlike most other publishers, we go to the places. Most of the top 10 lists that you see from other publishers, somebody created by from just sitting at their desk. Whatever you see, okay, like one went out the other day. It came from CL Tampa. I'm not calling them out in general, but oh, here's the top 10 restaurants from open table and i'm like this is such bs because first of all a restaurant's not going to be on that list if they don't pay open table or subscribe to open table and however way they have to pay them i know there's some sort of fee involved i think it's per reservation or something like that so that skews it in the very beginning and get go and then on top of that 
it, it's just all skewed because it's just a computer-generated list. Right. Nobody's gone anywhere that's published this and eaten at these places. That's all it is. Right. Unfortunately, it gets tons and tons of shares on social media and people take credibility in it and look at it as it's credible. And I'm not saying they're not somewhat credible because I would say at least half of the list I did agree with. Right. Also, a restaurant doesn't get on a top 10 and sometimes we do just do a top five if we're out of time or got too fat from, from, from the last list. Or there's not, a, not, a, not enough <laughs> right. places that have right. that food that's that good. Exactly. Right. But the food has to make us say, wow, or something of the equivalent. It needs to be craveable, something we can't wait to go back and have again. Some places that I went to for the Mexican list, they were good, but they weren't great. And then some were really like, I don't know what, yeah, this is another whole thing too, is there's actually five Mexican restaurants that I went to that did not make the top 10 list. And two or three of them, the food has like zero flavor, tastes like air. Like there's no seasoning. It's almost like, imagine taking a a piece of meat or a steak and like boiling it in water. Right. And I don't understand it. And then some people say, no, that's how they really do it in Mexico. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I wrote to Rick Bayless, if anybody knows who he is. He has like a million Mexican cookbooks out. He lived in Mexico for like 20 years or something. And he has a spectacular Mexican restaurant, a few of them actually. Yes, we went to Frontera in Chicago. It was amazing. So I I wrote to Rick Bayless to ask him, is there an actual style in Mexico where they don't use any seasoning? But he didn't write back. So if anybody knows Rick, tell him to write me back. You did write somebody else here. In, in I, I also wrote somebody here. And I can't say too much about him, except that he's a friend of ours, originally from Mexico. Well-respected chef. <laughs> there it goes. Now everybody knows. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't able to confirm if there is a style like that. But he just said, I just said, what gives? And he said, they just suck. <laughs> Basically. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. For Italian, it was interesting because I want to say two or three of the places that we went to that in the poll that we took back in 2016, 2017, they were like off the charts. And then and then and other things that we've done in the group, they've been, right. you know, recommended a million times. And we just went and we're like, this isn't good. Yeah. So we, so we learned that we can't just go by other people's recommendations and reviews because, and, and sometimes occasionally still, not that often, but occasionally if there's a place that we've heard about and we haven't been to, I will go look at the reviews on Yelp. And a couple times we had like the opposite results. Like one place, 90% of the reviews were bad and we went to it and thought it was great. And then the opposite, another place, 90% of the reviews were good. And I went and said, what the heck? Right. Not so good. But I want to give a shout out to Manos in Gulfport, new restaurant as of the past year. It was one we discovered because of recommendations from people in our Facebook group, St. Petersburg Foodies Restaurant Reviews. That's the name of the group. Anyway, amazing. I'm so happy that we discovered Monos just from this quest. Yeah, and they're just about a year old, or yeah, a little over a yeah, year old Yeah, now. a little over a year old. Yeah, so check them out. Yep. So check out all of the uh, best of list, top 10, top fives, whatever, on stpetersburgfoodies.com. And we have a lot on there. We have a few... Th- old ones that we're going to update this year. And if you can find anything, I don't know if you will, because we have a lot that we haven't done a top 10 list on, let us know. We will be right back after this word from our sponsors with Fred Forsley. I am so hungry right now. I'm going to go to Noble Crust. 
What? You've never been? No way. Check this out. They do both food from the South and Italian, and they do an amazing job at both. They have some of the best fried chicken, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. The fried green tomatoes are not like anyone else's. They call it the FGBLT, but I think they should call it the OMG because it has Tabasco honey pork belly and pimento cheese, and it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. Noble Crust also made six of St. Pete Foodie's best of list, best Italian, casual dining, best pizza, Bloody Marys, meatballs, and best salads. If Noble Crust is already one of your favorites, then I have good news. They're expanding their service hours. Starting on February 7th, they'll be open for lunch on Fridays, and they'll start opening on Mondays for dinner starting February 10th. As always, on Saturday and Sunday, there's an awesome brunch starting at 10.30, and the deviled eggs are one of my favorites. The St. Pete location is on 4th Street North and 83rd, and they also have locations in Carrollwood and Wesley Chapel. You can check hours and menus at noble-crust.com. Noble Crust is a must for your next lunch, brunch, or dinner. How many times have you heard a restaurant say that they have healthy food that actually tastes great? I've heard it a lot, but unfortunately, it's usually one or the other and not both until the brass bowl came around. Right. Their food actually is healthy and tastes so darn delicious. So good. They use organic ingredients and responsibly sourced seafood. Brass Bowl offers gluten-free, vegan, and carnivorous options. There truly is something for everyone. You will find imaginative flatbreads, bowls, and tasty, delicious small plates. With options like fresh roasted seasonal veggies, 24-hour sous vide hanger steak, house-smoked salmon, and free-range chicken breast. And up front, they have a cold-pressed juice station and separate menu with juice bowls and elixir shots. It's like two open kitchens in one. Brass Bowl Kitchen and Juicery is really on the cutting edge of the fast, casual culture that is enjoying so much fame these days. Go get bowled over by Brass Bowl. Brass Bowl Kitchen and Juicery is located at 656 Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete, and you can check them out on the web at BrassBowlKitchen.com. It's my pleasure to welcome the founder and president of Shipyard Brewing Company, and more locally, Sea Dog Brewing in Treasure Island, Fred Forsley. Welcome, Fred. Welcome. Hey, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So you are from Maine, but you also have a second residence across the street from me in Signature Place. So what brought you to St. Pete? Actually, a, f- a friend of mine that I met, and I actually ended up meeting Chris Danino mm-hmm. um, through a friend, Paul Thornton in Maine, and, uh, and then originally I... I fell in love with Florida in the second grade, but I fell in love with St. Pete in the last 36 months. So. <laughs> right. It's easy to do. It happens a lot around here. <laughs> yes, it does. So uh, you grew up in Maine. Yeah, Gray, Maine, little town. They call it the crossroads of Maine. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a little town north of Portland. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, we did a Portland trip in 2016. And we did. Loved it. It's definitely a foodie town. Yes. Yeah, you'll have to come back. It's even getting... Even more so. Right. Now we know someone around there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we loved it. That was a wonderful trip. Definitely. It's a beautiful state. I, it was my first time to Maine. I'd never been. That's and I've been all over the world. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a great state. It's a great state to grow up in. has a lot of connections, believe it or not, to St. Pete and Florida in general. Mm, interesting. So uh, tell us a little bit about your earlier life before Sea Dog. My dad and mom, my dad was a World War II vet, mm-hmm. and he was a prisoner of war in the South Pacific, a medic. 
he got out and he started a home for veterans. That's the short story in mm -hmm. Gray, Maine. And my mother and he ran it, and the whole family, five kids, ultimately had to run it, work the <laughs> 11 to 7 shift, mow uh -huh. the lawn. Right. There were 31 veterans, guys, that had uh, really related things to the war, not physical, but um, mental, emotional, mm -hmm. but they became our family. Oh, wow. That's yeah, a great, pretty, yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's, it was a, yeah, it's not still running, but we ran it for over 48 years. Wow. That's incredible. And you had mentioned earlier before we started that you were a realtor at the age of 19. Right. How did I, that happen? <laughs> I was at the University of New Hampshire, and a friend of mine, uh, Mike Liberty, had gotten into government housing, and I was headed to Florida for spring break, and he called me and said, listen, you have to come help me find real estate sites in Maine. And I'm like, are you crazy? I'm going to Florida. He said, <laughs> so that started, I ended up doing that and finding two sites, realized I loved real estate and got my real estate license and did an internship through the University of New Hampshire mm -hmm. and get out and sold real estate for a guy named Mark Stimson. Mm -hmm. And he was a great guy that he's still alive, but he had a, he sold his firm, but he spent two weeks, he and a guy named Dick Schweppe, teaching me real estate every day for half an hour wow. and give you, they give you homework. And then you'd come back and talk about it. So everything from sales techniques to prospecting to legal, they did in a two-week period. So it was pretty cool. That's really cool. Cool. Crash course. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Lori's a realtor too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's fun. I like the, I love to sell. Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually went to Arizona State, worked under Coach Brock, who was a baseball coach, and he had a fitness center, and he taught, taught us how to sell memberships. And he was a great guy. He's, he's gone now, but he won a national title. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was really uh, orientated on steps of sales and things like that. So it was cool. cool. I like that. So when we went to Portland back in 2016, I did a little reading on Maine. I'm trying to remember that what the seasons are. There's like, there's mud season, <laughs> tourist there's, season. There's winter in July, in July 4th and 3rd. You get that, basically. <laughs> but there's a saying, if you don't like the weather, wait a minute, it'll change. Right. And, uh, right. They said around here, too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Today, it's a blizzard up there. It's raining, snowing, sleeting. I just talked to my wife, Judy. She's in the car headed to Kennebunkport, Federal Jacks, our brew pub there, and I mm -hmm. just pray she makes it. It's, uh, uh. It's, it's pretty, it's, it's like the hurricane season here, except people just deal with it, you know, they right. just go. Right, Yeah, you'll, you'll lose three days, you know. It's, the good news is it's before the weekend, so we don't lose the weekend for restaurants this week, right. but it happens a right. lot. So how did you end up in the restaurant industry? I was in real estate. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine, Gordon Hirchbees, had gotten tangled up in a real estate deal in Kennebunkport, Maine, in the late 80s. Mm -hmm. And when real estate collapsed, um, there was a group of people involved and he was the only one left that had any money. So the <laughs> bank, the short story is the bank came after him. I went and dealt with the bank for him when we bought the mortgage. I was in Pensacola, Florida with my brother Richard. It was McGuire's Irish Pub and Brewery there and it just kicked off in the 80s, late 80s. And it was really doing well. And I said, Jesus, work in Kennebunk. I went to Gritty McDuff's, Richard and Ed, uh, Ed Stebbins and Richard Pfeffer, and they were going to do it in Kennebunk in that location. Mm -hmm. They introduced me to Alan Pugsley, who was a master brewer, and long story short, they decided not to do it. I got a tenant to uh, try to do it, and then the week before they were going to open, they decided they didn't want to run it anymore. And in fact, the wife, who was the front of the house, wanted to uh, leave town, basically get divorced and move. And she ultimately did. So next, you know, I'm running a brewery. <laughs> That's the short story. That so was it was June, an accident. Yeah, it was. A, <laughs> yeah, totally. it, was it was June in '92. I had borrowed money from Gordon Hertzbees and um, got the whole deal set up. And then all of a sudden, there was nobody there to run it. And uh, at the time, there weren't many breweries in Maine. I think I was the third or fourth. I was Alan Pugsley's third brewery. Mm -hmm. Alan's English. 
he studied under a guy named Peter Austin, the grandfather of microbrewing in the globe, really. He was part of Camera Campaign for Real Ale. And uh, long story short, Alan and I have been partners for, we were partners for over 23 years, and uh, and now we we leads us to the Sea Dog. Which yeah, is a, yeah. Uh, right, so you were kind of a pioneer in craft brewing. Yeah, Alan Pugsley, they called him the Johnny Appleseed of uh, craft beer, mm-hmm. and uh, he was responsible for a number of brands that you would know about, um, O'Gritty's, Gary's, but uh, Sam Cliglione, one of the guys, um, actually trained at a brew school we had originally. So it's been fun. It's been a great, great uh, experience. I'm, I'm more excited about it today than I've ever been. That's and, awesome. and you started in Kennebunkport? Yeah, Is that what yeah it's Ken- Feder- uh, I call it Kennebunkport Harbor. Technically, it's right. in Kennebunk. Kennebunk, and they, okay. they call that area Kennebunk Taint Town. Taint Kennebunk, Taint <laughs> Kennebunk Port. Because <laughs> up in the Kennebunk is seen like three miles, the you know, town hall's like three or four, almost six miles away. And then Kennebunk Port, where the summer residents always were, is down on the other side of the river uh. and where George Bush's house is and a lot of the summer locations. And we're right on the bank of the harbor on the other side of the river from Kennebunk Port. Right. So technically it's Kennebunk. So that was your first one. And how many do you have across Maine? We have uh, seven plus two ski resorts in Maine and then wow. three in New Hampshire. And uh, and we're really excited about uh, what we're doing in um, Florida. In, in Florida. Yeah. Nice. It's, it's exciting. Yeah. yeah. And in Maine, you're the largest craft brewer. With, right. With about 160,000 barrels a year? Well, yeah. So we, we're debating how we count those barrels because we're, but um, we're actually about 80,000 in the U.S. and, and 80,000 abroad. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. So how many different beers do you have and how do they break mm-hmm. down into like types of brews? So we have the all the shipyard brands, the brand I cre- we created, Al and I and my cousin Bruce and in that we have probably we've probably brewed over thirty types of thirty different beers, mm-hmm. but in package right now we have uh, seven. Pumpkinhead being a big one, a lot of people know mm-hmm. across the country. And then uh, we started with Shipyard Export. We also brew a brand under license from the Ringwood Brewery in Ringwood, England. It's called Old Thumper, <laughs> and uh, Marston's Brewery owns that, and they're the ones we work with on a variety of other things. So. With Sea Dog, we have you know a number of brands, but uh, the Blueberry is the one that we're known for. And then locally, we've been the Sunfish is getting getting a lot of uh, a lot of play. A great state distributing is our distributor here in this area, and uh, they've been having a lot of luck with the Blue uh, Monkey Fist for mm-hmm. the Shipyard brand and uh, Sunfish for the uh, Sunfish for the Sea Dog brand. And but the Blueberry is always very popular, and then obviously uh, Pumpkinhead has a lot of success through the season. But. Right. And is, is Sea Dog just Florida? Is that the name for the Florida? No. Or you sea Dog's Dog, also up Actually, in- a guy named Peter Camplin um, and his family started the brand Sea Dog in Maine, in Camden, Maine. And he had a dog named Barney who basically loved the water. Most mm-hmm. of them don't like water. And he would always want to jump in the boat and go on uh, his boats. He had a uh, number of uh, schooners and things like that. So long story short, when he wanted to start a brewery, he named it Sea Dog after Barney, his dog, and that was the logo. Mm-hmm. He sold it, and then it ultimately ended up in bankruptcy, and he sold it to us in bankruptcy, ah. which is kind of an exciting story because he financed us non-recourse to a piece of real estate in Bangor, Maine, 
and he actually got full payment offered million three at the bankruptcy court. He wouldn't take it because he disliked the gentleman that was trying to do a cram down on him. So <laughs> it was it was a moment. Yeah, That's a good story. So it came yeah. li- literally from a sea dog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And his spirit still lives on yes. very much so. And they're a great family, the the Camplins. So j- going back to the beer for a sec, do you notice any difference in what sells in Florida versus Maine? Well, we started with a brand called Shipyard Export, and that was always our main seller in Maine. Mm-hmm. And um, it has not, it's done well in some spots in Florida, but the craft uh, industry, I had a guy tell me probably 16 years ago, craft beer would never sell in Florida. <laughs> so in the last seven, <laughs> say the last seven years, craft has really exploded. Yeah. So it's funny, some of our higher and bigger beers actually do, you know, do well, but you know, lighter beers are definitely always a play. And we just came mm-hmm. out with the uh, mainly focused at Florida, the Blunt Orange. It's a Belgian-style light orange mm-hmm. actual... Like a Hefeweizen sort yeah, of? Yeah, it's a little lighter even. But yeah, in that spirit, but mm-hmm. we filter it. Mm-hmm. And it's very drinkable and very... Uh, hits that Florida palate. If it's 100 degrees out, you can you yeah. mow on the lawn or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's become a big, big seller for us in mm-hmm. Florida. And then I love the... I love the uh, Monkey fists. It's on at Grazzi's across the street. Mm. I can go, uh, but any event, it's uh, the game. I like to say it's like ice cream, right? Yeah, I mean, we can make every flavor if you want. Uh, we, we have a great. We have we have some great brewers. We have uh, Bobby Baker, who's our brewer in Florida. He's got a team under him, Sean, and we've had brewers come from up north and and brew down here. So it's fun that we're brewing in Clearwater, a twenty barrel system that used to actually be in the Orlando airport. Mm. We were the only brewery in the. Uh, in the world, we were the first brewery in the world to actually brew in an airport. Oh, wow, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, we had a 20, cool. it was the Orlando airport, and yeah. after 9-11, they didn't want us in there anymore, but... Um, Thanks a lot, Bin Laden. It's a 20-barrel system, which is 40 kegs at a time, which is a lot of beer. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, we, uh, we still do that. We, we, it was in storage for about nine years, and then we set it up over in Clearwater, right on 19, right across from the Countryside Mall, oh, okay. with the Cody's and the Sea Dogs mm-hmm. in the back there. And... So we brewed a variety of beers there. Um, we actually have an RO system that brings the water down to basic, you know, water mm-hmm. with no minerals or anything else in it. And we rebuild, the, we can brew a Hefeweizen or a, a Oktoberfest beer exactly the way they would have done it in those areas. So nice. Cool. That's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And then Treasure Island Sea Dog location. Yes. I was surprised. It seems like it just opened, but it's two and a half, two and a half years. Yeah. 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 Two and a half years already. And, yeah. and then uh, we have some news on a new place too. Right. So let's get into the details on that when we come back after this word from our sponsors. We will be right back. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger, too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. We are back! We are back! 
We are back with Fred Forsley from Sea Dog, Sea Dog Brewing, that is. And when we were off air, we were talking about craft beer and how the big guys kind of come in and buy up some of the craft beer stuff and come out with other stuff that looks like it might be uh, small, independent, but it's not. Right, really. right, 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 right. Yeah, if you look at Blue Moon, it's owned by Coors. If you look at uh, Shock Top or Goose Island, it's owned by Budweiser. And, mm-hmm. and Bud's recently bought a number of brands, and they're they're shutting down some of the breweries they bought, and they're brewing it in the larger facilities. Oh. And it's which is no, you know, I have no big problem with it. But then they turn around, they undercut pricing, cut their prices in half at different times, and mm-hmm. it makes it very difficult for small brewers. Right, I consider ourselves a but, but um, you know, like the BA Association, which we were mentioning out of Colorado, has a certification for independent small brewers in this classification. That's what we are at Shipyard. Is, um, we're, we're still a family-owned private company. There's not a lot of us less, mm-hmm. left at our size, especially in the last 12 months. You had Lagunitas bought by Heineken, Ballast Point that was bought by a group uh, which doesn't make it down here anymore. But there were a number of breweries that have been bought by the big guys and then a number that sold out to larger investment groups, et cetera. And I don't hold that against anybody. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, it's like if people want to It just to do makes that, it difficult for you. It's, it's, it's yeah. been interesting because, um, so I'm 59 years old and decided this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And hopefully our family will want to do something from there. But the right. reality is everybody, um, you know, we have the Shipyard brand, the Sea Dog brand, and, and uh, we like to say we live the beer business, not... Uh, work in the beer business. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, we, and we'd like to advocate supporting the local and independent restaurants and brewers. Right. And, right. and that's the Brewers Association Certified Independent Craft. So look for that. Yes. Support the real independent craft brewers. So right. let's, let's talk about Sea Dog. And we have news, so I can't, right. I can't wait. So you have a new location just opened. Right. The Sea Dog Cantina in Gulfport. Yes. Actually, Sea Dog licensed the brand to a new LLC that's Sea uh, Dog Cantina. Mm-hmm. And we're consulting to that group that's opening up as the Sea Dog Cantina, which is. Uh, okay. It's a related group, but it's technically not Fred Forsley. So ah. the realities of the uh, liquor laws and a variety of other things make that interesting. But we, have a, we actually have a, a restaurant group that consults. Uh, that is related to us and does his name um, start with c <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we have uh we actually our chef uh, mark boyd who's down at uh, treasure island and uh justin is a chef a sous chef there had a lot of experience mm-hmm. in the mexican cuisine and he's very, everybody's really excited to have created a, a whole nother concept mm-hmm. that is uh, getting you know their abilities to expand on their culinary skills and we have a chef Greg Picard, who had re- retired after 30 years, bouncing around the Marriott's around the world, and uh, he's out of Orlando, and he is also on board. So we've got some great energy and excitement in the kitchen over there, and uh, you know, it's it's a little nerve-wracking in the sense anybody opened a restaurant before knows is to try to get it right. So they're yeah. they're doing a lot of time uh, testing right now, and um, so next week we'll be open to the public, and then we're going to do a ribbon cutting on uh, the 26th. Well, as of this uh, podcast, you're already open yeah. when it airs. So, yes. Okay. But, but yeah, for yeah, what well, we're this, talking right this now. This comes out on the 25th. So. Right. Oh, yes. Yeah, so ribbon cutting tomorrow. Whatever, do the ribbon cutting tomorrow. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, Gulfport is like a little hidden gem. It is. It, it, is. is if it, it reminds me of Key West like 30 years ago. You know, it's so <laughs> cool. And 
Hopefully it won't get spoiled, but it's just you can walk around the streets. People are nice yeah. and uh, really dog friendly. And the, um, you know, it's, it's truly one of those little places that's hidden. Not, mm-hmm. I mean, I've talked to people. I've said we were opening a place in uh, Gulfport, and they don't even know where Gulfport is. Oh, wow. jeez. It's less than 12 minutes away. Yeah. It's right here. It's really part of St. Petersburg. We yeah. consider it part of St. Yeah. Petersburg. Yeah. We, I mean, it is its own town we with cover its own mayor, it but yeah. like we would cover St. Pete and St. Right. Pete Beach. So it's yeah. But it, it is amazing how many people. I said, well, how, it's, they feel like it's a, it's like a yeah. day a day travel. Oh. It's, a 12 <laughs> min- it's 12 minutes. It's 12 minutes. That's ridiculous. It's, 12, it's kind well, of funny. The space you're taking over there is huge. Yeah. That's yeah. a big space. Yeah. yeah it's, it's where what was formerly the, the artisan. artisan yeah right it's a big spot yeah, right and um so yeah we're excited about the we've been getting a lot of good you know just excitement locally and i you know haven't met anybody that i really i'm sure they're excited to be getting a mexican restaurant yeah because they've lost both of the ones that they had yeah before. right they had pegs yeah. pegs prior yeah. and then they had the one we went to there's like, a taco joint yeah, I the yeah. Name of it. yeah yeah no that's um what's funny is we've done this before we've taken over locations that haven't hit and we've some we've gotten lucky with that really <laughs> end up being um but in any event we're excited about it because my my wife judy ended up doing all the flowers outside oh, cool. and um she loves that and got a chance to with um, a young lady that came down from maine meredith and a couple megan who's been living here and they've spent the last weekend doing all the flowers out front in there oh and beautiful so everybody puts their dna and their fingerprint right. on it it's a joint effort with the whole team that's involved there and we got Casey and Charlie, both uh, managers, and working it with the whole team there. So. Nice. Yeah. So, yes, you mentioned Megan. Shout out to Megan McCabe. Yep. What is her area of responsibility? She's like everything. Everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then. She, we, but the funny thing about like Jamie McMullen oversees um, pretty much all our locations in Maine and I mean in um, Florida. And um, he and Charlie and uh, Casey have, you know, executed on management training and those things but megan kind of does a little of everything Mm -hmm. and uh, she's really detail orientated and interfaces on the pos systems and all the communication licensing and all the other things along that those lines and we have um blythe who is uh on board as a manager and it yeah everybody does a little bit of the same stuff it's not like oh it's not my job type Mm -hmm. of thing right right right. unless of course it's a you know, writing checks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I want to do a shout out to Charlie also yeah. because he has like the coolest last name. Yeah. He's a, the GM, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Charlie and, and Casey both are sharing responsibilities. It's Charlie Break Iron. Yeah. It's like he will kick your ass <laughs> if right. you do something wrong. Right. That's funny. Sea Dog Brewing in Treasure Island, you could pretty much land a plane in your kitchen. Right. Yeah, it's, it's huge. huge. Yeah, that was... Uh, we got to tour it with Chris right before um, you actually opened. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so everybody remembers that as Captain Cosmos if you uh, were back right. here right. a while ago. Right. So we ended up gutting that whole building and the way the design of that space went, it uh, it's built to do some business. It so is, we got to yeah. keep growing it as well. Yeah, and it's indoor, outdoor. You're right on yeah. the water. Yep. It's be- yeah, it's beautiful. beautiful. View, you can view. Come, up, come up by boat. Yep. yep. And uh, yeah, so we're working on a variety of... Uh, New promotions we're excited about uh, on the upcoming race. Mm-hmm. We're a sponsor of, uh, for the, since the conception of the race, we've been sponsoring the uh, Skybridge uh, 10K. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. That'll yeah. be happening on May, March 1st. But mm-hmm. in any event, it's a, it, you get lucky enough to hit it with a restaurant location and the team and everybody. And, and we're lucky in Treasure Island to really 
like you say, going into our third year now, it's, uh, you know, we've had mostly very, very positive experience from people and that's not always easy to do, you know? No, no. And the food is, you know, I have to admit, I I don't want to sound like a jerk here, but. You little jerk. When you guys were first opening, you know, we didn't know you, we didn't know what you did. And, and I just, I assumed that it would be okay. Yep. Standard bar food. It's way right. better than it's, okay. Yes. Yeah. It's just not your standard bar yeah. food. Right. It's, everything's yeah. fresh, well, a lot of house-made stuff. Well, Mark Boyd, who's the chef there, is, is truly, he's a quiet guy mm-hmm. uh, in the sense of he's not, there's some chefs that pound their chest and do a variety <laughs> of other things, but <laughs> right. he's the silent assassin. He's basically just, and and nobody's going to outwork him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just uh, and a nice guy who lives downtown mm-hmm. in St. Pete, and he's become uh, a real asset to our team. Great. Yeah, and you guys have a killer Sunday brunch. Right. Just a few of the things I want to mention. Lobster Benedict, corned beef hash. Check this out. Biscuits and bacon gravy. Mm. Nice. Pretty cool. <laughs> Huevos rancheros, a whole bunch of other stuff. And then looking at the regular menu, we, got, we have to get in there soon because, let's see, we have lobster roll. The, we had the, the pub burger the, and the barbecue burger mm-hmm. were excellent. I have to try the grouper sandwich. Mm-hmm. Mahi tacos. There's shrimp and grits. Fish and chips. Fish and chips. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Lobster mac and cheese. Wow. Might have to rent a room in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely. Definitely. Come by boat or by seaplane or by whatever you want to get there. Yeah. And that's uh, on Treasure Island on 9610 Gulf Boulevard is exactly. the address. Yes. The website is Sea Dog Treasure Island, all spelled out. And Fred, thank you so much. Thank you. Do you Cheers. want to give the address for uh, Cantina? Yeah, 2832 uh, Beach Boulevard, Gulfport. Great. Great. Thank you. Awesome. We'll be right back. This is Chris Walker. And you're listening to Up new on the food blog, we have three things. Mono's Italian Grill in Gulfport is spectacular, and we have a review on them. Newly updated for 2020, the 10 best Mexican restaurants in St. Pete. And another new review, I think our fifth over the years, of Sola Bistro and Wine Bar in St. Pete Beach. They are a must-go-to when you're at the beach. You'll find all of those on stpetersburgfoodies.com. And next week on the podcast, we have Pete Boland talking about his new concept that just opened, Mary Margaret's Old Irish Tavern. Make sure you don't miss that. And if you'd like to email us, just send it to info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thanks to our guest, Fred Forsley. And thanks to our sponsors. Noble Crest. Brass Bowl Kitchen and Juicery. Pacific Counter. Booyah Ramen. And, and Engine, Engine Number, number nine. 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold.
You boys drinking beer? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're fit safe 